a very caring, take your time with people place. And if you put in the time, you will have a friend for life. And those will probably be the best friends you've ever had. Welcome to Badass Digital Nomads, where we're pushing the boundaries of remote work and travel, all while staying grounded with a little bit of old school philosophy, self-development, and business advice from our guests. Hey there, Kristen from Traveling with Kristen here, and welcome to episode 220 of Badass Digital Nomads. My guest today is the lovely Tula Rampont, who is the France correspondent for International Living. And she has been living abroad for more than a decade in both Italy and France, and she's become fluent in both languages. So today she's going to share some of her insights to the culture and the daily lifestyle in Italy and France. And if you would like to hear more from Tula and myself, then you can meet both of us in person this September 2nd through 4th at International Living's Ultimate Go Overseas Boot Camp. And you can still get a discount on your ticket by using our friends and family link in the show notes. And we'll both be giving multiple talks there. So we hope to see you there. And also I have a lot more brand new interviews coming your way over the next couple of months. So get excited because we have some old guests who are coming back, such as the infamous Palais Beau, the radio vagabond, which many of you loved his interview about becoming a digital nomad in your 50s. I haven't talked with him since 2018, so I'm so excited to have him back on the show. We're also having Nora Dunn, the professional hobo by popular demand of YouTube channel fame and also she's one of the original digital nomads, one of the first digital nomad bloggers ever and many more exciting new guests. So I can't wait for that and enjoy today's conversation with Tula Rampont. All right. Well, welcome Tula to Badass Digital Nomads podcast. It's so great to have you here and it looks like a beautiful evening over in France. So tell us, where are you right now? Um, I'm in the southeastern corner, so it's technically on the French Riviera, but we're not really on the tourist end. We are near Toulon, which is about 45 minute drive from Marseille. Oh, okay. I've been to Marseille. It's a really a nice yeah. area. I mean, who doesn't love the French Riviera, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I know that you're originally from California. So mm-hmm. give us a little bit of insight into your background and how did you end up uh, married and living in the south of France after growing up in California? Sure. Yeah. My hometown is Ventura, which is actually a really nice place to live. And um was the first person in my family to go to college. So I focused a lot on my career and put myself through a university. And then I went and got a master's degree. And I just traveled a bit during that period. Of course, you know, I didn't focus on my career. I didn't have too much money either. And I went down to Mexico. Mexico was like my first love. I got down to Mexico as often as I could. 
Um, and then I got into my career and I was doing fairly well. I worked at a university and I was a director of a retention program. So I have a master's in um, educational psychology. So it was like counseling based. So I really enjoyed that because, you know, you do really feel like you're making a difference. But I always had this nagging feeling that I wanted to travel and really hit the road. And I was kind of at a point in my career where it was take like the next big step. And it's even incredible, I would say this at this point, but uh, perhaps get a PhD, which seemed a lot. And I actually thought I was missing out on my dream that I'd always wanted to do, which was to live abroad. And so I took my first trip to Europe when I was 30 and it was really eye-opening. I mean, I adored Mexico, I still love it. And I, did one internship when I graduated college in Brazil, which was another really great experience. But when I hit Europe, um, nothing really compared. And I just really fell in love with the lifestyle. I first uh, traveled in a group tour because none of my friends could take any vacation time in, the, in California, which probably says a lot about what's going on at the time. And um, we started in Italy, Rome specifically, and I didn't want to leave Rome. So I already knew I was kind of in trouble and <laughs> I actually let the group go on for two days ahead of me. And I went and I joined them. They were right outside Florence in this really wonderful town, Luca. And so I joined them by train. And then we went on to uh, very interesting parts. It was kind of a really off the beaten track um, group tour. So uh, Italy, then we did parts of Switzerland, and then we ended up in France. And I have to say France was a huge mystery to me because um, the Italians, very kind of gregarious and like, outgoing and everywhere you went you know you kind of muddled through but you really felt like here they are and they're welcoming you you know forever how long you were there you know I didn't know if there it was going to be any lasting friendships there or whatnot but it, it felt very kind of similar to me I'm quite extroverted so when I got to France it was just so beautiful all the places that we traveled and um we went to um, Dijon and then we went to, uh, like again, kind of off the beaten track places. So we did like a lunch in Burgundy and then now I can pronounce it, I can never pronounce it at the time. <laughs> There's uh, where the where champagne is made in Homs, which is a, a ridiculous, <laughs> Reims is how you would pronounce it in English. Uh, and then we ended up in Paris. And so while I really enjoyed France and I had definitely the best meal of my life at the time. It was this really eye-opening experience. I still felt, I really felt like a call to Italy and I couldn't really ever leave this fantasy I had of Rome. And so I went back and I knew eventually that I would move, that I would go. And um, it was a really frightening thing and very scary. And it was just a time in my life. And I thought, if I don't go now, I'll never go. And so um, I had like a plan A and a plan B and a plan C. <laughs> and so it took me three years to prepare everything. And then so at 33, I moved to Rome. And um, again, I had some backup plans. Um, I rolled in a language school right off the bat. And that was nice to get kind of integrated and meet people. Um, and I eventually found a job, I think it was about three months in, I had done some teaching before I went and did my master's program, um, 
uh, in English as a second language. And so before I left for Rome, I picked up a TEFL certificate. And so I got a job teaching English and it was, a, it was interesting. It was really interesting. I met a lot of fun, wonderful, intelligent people, expats and um, Italians. I taught English in companies. So it was mainly all Italian executives all over Rome. Um, God, I had a lot of energy at that time because I was at one end of the city to the next um, almost every day. Oh, so you were teaching multiple people in multiple different locations. Yeah, sure. So I, I would go to banks. I would go to um, IT companies. Um, one group was involved in the, the lotteries. Very interesting. Real estate funds. Um some of the, some some people were one on one like ad executives. It is fascinating because um, as much as you speak English, especially at a certain level, people are telling you all about their lives too. So you learned about the culture, you learned about their family life, you learned where to travel. You know, within Rome and Italy, you learned about customs and. At, at some point they, sh you know, they share words with you in Italian and things and expressions and every day was, was very fascinating. What are some of the things that stuck out to you? Like any stories or anecdotes that you can share with us that, that you remember? Well, I, I, um, I didn't plan as well as probably I, I, sh I should have. <laughs> and the one thing that really stuck out to me was um, how helpful people were. People mm -hmm. were very helpful. And I remember um, it took me about three months to find an apartment. And I had gone with the intention of um, finding roommates, not knowing that that's not exactly what's done um, in a lot of cities in Italy because people will stay at home with their families and go to school and whatnot. So the roommates you're gonna find are probably expats and there's not, even in Rome, as many expats as you would think that um, have those types of situations. Mm -hmm. So I ended up um, renting an apartment on my own, like taking on a lease and everything. And I remember I was in a, a cafe and I went all over Rome. And by that point I was teaching. So I was getting to know the neighborhoods and I was in a cafe and, and Trastevere. And um, I made, you know, it's kind of a semi-friendship with one of the, um, you know, the baristas there. And all of a sudden she said, you know, like, I can't remember his name. I'm going to say Marco. <laughs> he's he's um, renting an apartment. You know, I, I know him. Would you like? And all of a sudden, here's Marco. And he's like, let's go. <laughs> and and, and we, we climbed up and it was in the next neighborhood over. So like in the neighborhood of Monteverde that overlooks the Trastevere, which is, is a beautiful area. It's gorgeous. You can see all of Rome from up there. And um, and we just walked and talked and he took me up to the apartment and we looked around. It wasn't exactly a, a good fit because of just the size because I was thinking I'll probably have to get roommates on my own and whatnot. But it was just the kindness of people and the willingness to go the extra mile. And um, of course I have a lot of stories just of, you know, different things in class and whatnot. A lot of cultural differences, a lot of things that were, were really interesting and charming and things that, the thing I, I I really loved about Italy and the thing I like about France and you maybe you found this in your travels is um, 
a lot of these European places are how things were kind of in the US, like there's a, a quite simplicity to interactions and the way that people are and an innocence and, and people are doing things maybe um, in a different way that we're not like accustomed to. But for example, you can feel quite safe walking around Rome, you know, at midnight. And I really like this kind of getting back to basics and, and values and whatnot when I found like in Italy and in France as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I just was walking in the park a few days ago here in the UK and a man was walking his dogs and one of the dogs ran up to me. So I was petting it and then he came over and we start talking. And before you know it, he's telling me about his dog that just passed away six weeks ago and he's showing yeah. me pictures on his phone. Yeah. And I was mm -hmm. having this out of body experience thinking, uh -huh. I, you know, I just, this just doesn't happen in my country. And I'm just here yeah. on a Tuesday morning and this sure, man is sure. just leisurely yeah. stopping to mm -hmm. talk with me and he see you later. Mm -hmm. And just as if yeah. we knew each other and that we were neighbors. And that is the kind of, I guess it's just a sort of, I don't even know the, the word for it. It's, it's, it's something that is lacking in the places that I've lived in, mm -hmm. in Florida and in bigger cities in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But even in North Carolina, it just seems like there's not this neighborly familiarity sure, yeah. or mm -hmm. willingness to talk to strangers mm -hmm. in the U.S. Yeah. And that seems to be the norm across much of Europe and especially in Italy. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. yeah. I agree. I agree. There's, um, you know, unfortunately, I kind of feel like people, not everyone, but it got into like kind of a fear thing where like, you know, you're maybe afraid of talking to someone or there, there's something behind it or whatnot. And what I've really appreciated in Italy and France is things are just natural. There's not like a second thought about what's going to happen or, you know, it's just a kind of a really friendly neighborly. I mean, we're, um, we live in France, it's actually just like kind of a small, small utopia, I, uh, because and I couldn't wish for anything better. We live in um, what we'd call like a housing track back in the, in the States. Um, but the way that it's like configured, we're kind of in the, there's like a forest in front, there's a row, I think we've got like 20 olive trees when you're, you're driving in. Uh, it's very, very picturesque. Uh, it's not a village, but it, it's, you know, and it's not far, it's not too far from a larger city, but you can leave your doors open and the kids are riding their bikes. Um, we go and have um, small like aperitif hours in the forest in, in front of the house. People are looking out for each other. We're on a WhatsApp group, and if there's a car that comes in, because, you know, there's, there's no, there's just no, there's only one way to come in. You might get a message and say, well, there's a car parked here. And it's nice for <laughs> teeny teenagers who, you know, bought some fast food and want to eat in the floor. It's nothing, you know, but it's this real sweetness to it. And then the last um, three years, the neighbors have gotten together and um, gathered the olives. So they've har we've harvested the olives and um and it's like it's a big day and you get these huge barrels and and i can't remember how many kilos you have to get to get like a liter and so depending on how many we harvest each family gets at least a liter of olive oil they take it down to the mill and then in between of doing this olive harvest we go into the forest and there's again this everybody brings a dish if it's like a quiche or a tart like a savory tart could just be chips and pizza you know i mean People think maybe French are very fancy, but 
they're you know not not all the time and um and the kids are there and then the, you've got everybody from re- retired to working folks to you know kind of everything in between and and they people got their dogs and whatnot and it, it's a super sweet thing like I just kind of pinched myself like is this really happening and then you know you finish the rest of the day and then you know they you drive it on over to the uh, the mill get it pressed and you come back and you know then we'll give it as like maybe gifts to family members and so it's just a very nice thing and I I think that is that community spirit is still like really alive and well and and we're not in a very small you know town but we're in a we're kind of a you know in a more of a countryside but next to the city and you can imagine how it is in a village like a real village you know how much people are like looking out for each other and taking care of each other yeah well that sounds amazing I will volunteer Mm -hmm. to receive some olive oil from you yeah there you go (laughs) when is the harvest because I've tried to eat olives from the trees in Greece and other places and they're never ripe so when is the time that you're actually October and then I think you have to from what I what I understand is that you've got to treat them after I'm not an expert. I'm not like, I just know what one woman came from olives from the previous year in a jar and I, you have to put them in brine. I'm not sure what oh, the whole okay. thing is. Yeah. So yeah, you, them. You, you get them and then there's a, we, we just do the pressing, but she, she had them. So I was like, oh, and she's like, these are the ones from last year. And she'll, she, you know, fr- I mean, it's incredible French and Italians with their food. She's like, you'll notice the difference in the taste because of X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a <laughs> very it's a food, subtle. Food is a big thing. Food is a big thing. And so, and, and, and people will, um, you know, I mean, we're really eating with the seasons. That's another really cool thing about living, you know, in France and Italy the same. So now people are going to start, um, if they haven't already, but canning, you know, and making jams and things like that. With so, the berries. Yeah, yeah, we have a fig tree. So, and this, oh. the figs are ripe and, you know, you can, you people, people go and make jam of any, it's just, it, people are into that thing and it's, it's not, and people have time people have time to do it. You know, I just say, I don't, I could do it. I mean, I'm just a bit lazy, but <laughs> my, I mean, I, I, I work full, you know, full time and I feel like I never worked a day in my life since I left the U S you know, I mean, there's just not the same level of stress. It's just, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, compared to how I lived and the, you know, I, California can't say enough about California. I love California. It's, it's a wonderful place, but there's uh, the commute and all we're all dealing with that like all over the U.S. but it was a lot I mean it was a lot to be able to live there comfortably and kind of have time for yourself so now yeah. I'm very very comfortably and I have a lot of time for myself yeah that is that is the dream yeah. and I want to get is, more mm-hmm. into the like a day in your life in France where we'll talk about also what you do for work okay. um, but just to uh you know, bring it back full circle to Italy. Um, so you're in Italy for how long? So I was there for three years. There were okay. some um, really good points about Italy and then things that were um, challenging, which I don't think you would know unless you live somewhere. And so, you know, working with international living, I kind of like to say it's really nice to go and have boots on the ground and do like a long-term rental to see if it's going to work out for you. Um, and um, I did meet a French guy, but I wouldn't necessarily be stayed in Italy long-term. Um, and 
it was looking like I would go perhaps back to the US, but I wasn't sure if that was going to happen either. And I couldn't really see kind of giving up the European lifestyle. So we were dating for about a year and um, he was on a work assignment and he was called back to France. And so we were both saying, well, it'd be really easy to go to the United States. You know, I would have picked up on my career. I'd only been gone for really three years. So I kind of, you know, I still had my network and, um, and I thought, you know, um, I was hesitant to go to France because of the language barrier, to be completely mm-hmm. honest. Which and did I you learn back. Italian when you were in Italy? Like, did, did you become fluent? I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty close. So if you've ever suffered from a slow Wi-Fi connection while traveling or wasted time trying to log into unprotected Wi-Fi networks, then you know firsthand what a hassle it can be. I learned this the hard way myself many years ago, and that's why I've been using a Solis global Wi-Fi hotspot for the past 10 years. I've been recommending Solis to my relocation clients since it was a different company back in 2011, and it's been a lifesaver for me to stay connected almost anywhere. I've used Solis hotspots to work from an airport in Australia, a car in Montenegro, and my house in Costa Rica when the internet cut out. With the Solis hotspot, you get a private, secure, and portable Wi-Fi connection wherever you go. They have coverage in more than 135 countries without needing to swap out extra SIM cards. All you do is create an account, download the app, and choose your Wi-Fi plan. You can activate a monthly plan or a day pass from within the app. You can choose between monthly plans if you're a frequent traveler or just a simple day pass. You can try Solis using our link in the show notes and never get stuck without internet again. Or go to travelingwithkristen.com slash Wi-Fi to check it out. I, you know, I, I, you can never maybe prepare a hundred percent for a move. And I, some of the financial details I could have been stronger on for Italy, but like language wise and culture wise, like I did a deep dive. So, I mean, I really studied Italian before I left and I went to classes at the community college. And then I was maybe, was it two or three months of Italian lessons in Rome? And so I was at a actually really good level. And the thought of starting over in another <laughs> I know, also, it's like going I, back I, to yeah. preschool. Oh, goodness. And, and just French seems so daunting. I mean, it just really seemed overwhelming. And, um, but to be honest, and, and there's a deep, deep part of me, as easy as it would have been to go back to the United States. I mean, I pretty much could have. I still had my friend circle, you know, and the the community I built over there I didn't really see that happening either I had just kind of left that lifestyle behind and um, I thought well let's give France a try and we'll see how it goes and I had a lot of stereotypes and judgments but um Nicholas who's my husband he was very different than what I didn't know any French people and what I thought they were is not who they are and it's kind of embarrassing to say at the time that how I even approached getting to know him was very hands-off and when is this arrogant you know type of snobby rude person gonna come out you know and 
he wasn't like that at all. I mean, he's talking to me about uh, his trip to Texas. He had a uh, a cousin who was working there, and how fascinating all these you know these these big cars, and he just you know <laughs> one of those big cheeseburger, and he was just this very kind of low key guy and you know and then he started talking to me about France and which a lot of things were similar to Italy kind of with the social system and how they approach you know work-life balance and things like that but then it's kind of more things started coming in you know a little bit about healthcare and just the things that he was able to do with his full-time job to me were just mind-boggling I mean they've got the five weeks vacation time um they have something called, and I have to say it in French, <laughs> it's called a committee d'entreprise. And what that is, is kind of a, the HR department who takes care of you and plans like discounted vacations for you. At, from and, your company? Yeah, from your company. So the, so the HR department is planning vacations for the employees yes, and yes, giving them yeah. travel deals? Yeah, absolutely. How do I not know this? I know. <laughs> See, Francis, that's why, why it's such a shame if people get, you know, like I did, stopped on the language barrier, the cultural differences. So once you get here, you're like, what was this secret all about? Like I was, it just, because we were, you know, we were in Rome and we were dating and who knows this is where this is going to go. And I remember we were out to lunch and he said, um, well, you know, I'm going, you know, back to France this weekend because we're going uh, on, a, on a ski weekend in the Alps with my company and I'm like oh like okay oh that's a thing <laughs> and, and I'm like and, but it was it's also low-key it's not um they took a bus you know I ended up going on one of these ski weekends when I moved here <laughs> with them and you Sounds know fun. And, 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 and yeah it's like three days they leave like on a, a Friday come back Sunday night um I, I mean it's ridiculously cheap and they all get on the bus they're singing songs they go on the slopes, they're kind of in a, it's a hotel, but it's really kind of dormitory style, nothing really fancy. You go down and you have dinner and then, you know, you kind of, again, maybe see some songs or play board games and wholesome then you'll go good eat. fun. Wholesome good fun. Absolutely. And like, you know, down to earth. I think that's what French people get a, a bad rap, you know? Right. Well, but, that was one of the questions yeah. I wanted to ask you is what is your response and your perception now to that stereotype that you know French people are rude or they're snobby or they don't like Americans or they don't like tourists is that Mm -hmm. something that just comes from certain touristy areas of Paris or what is your perception now I think there's a couple things it's um first of all say right off the bat the French are wonderful um, you not, might not necessarily get that, like in a, you know, a, a, a trip to Paris for even like a week, because maybe you're not going to interact, you know, Paris is, I, you know, I go to Paris at least, you know, once a year for like a work training. And sometimes I go twice and, and at first Paris is kind of overwhelming and kind of daunting for me, but it's really kind of a collection of villages. If you stay mm-hmm. in one neighborhood, you get to, but maybe the first time I went, goodness, I talked to my waiter at the restaurant and I didn't really talk to anybody else. And he was lovely and he was really nice. And the thing with the French is they're reserved. So they're not, you know, as open as gregarious as the Italians. Um, And so it takes longer to get to know them, but they're very genuine. So they are, and I made those kind of faux pas mistakes when I first arrived where 
I'm very kind of, you know, American, like, hi, how are you? Like, you know, we're at a party. Let's, you know, next thing you know, we're going to be best friends, kind of, you know, we're not, we're not best friends, but, you know, you go to a party in California and, you know, your friend's friend, all of a sudden you find something in common and then like, you exchange numbers and it's this really open type kind of thing. The French are more like get to know you. It's going to be slower. And then all of a sudden they open up and they are the most um, kind, generous, and consistent people, mm. and very down to earth. But the one thing I don't think people would understand um, about the French is they actually have a very polite society. So there's a kind of a social dance of getting to know you, and you know, our my you know are together, but you know, our first friends, and we're still friends from 13 years. We're our neighbors. And I would never have got that. And our other second pair of good friends were our neighbors when we moved. And um, because you're seeing them on a regular basis, um, like if, if you were at, if you were at work, you would pick up French friends. You need to have some kind of constant contact with them. Also, people wouldn't understand this at all. They're very self-effacing and actually um, make fun of themselves a lot. Oh, I wouldn't but think they're that. Also, yeah, they're also afraid. Um, they're a bit like shy and also afraid of making a wrong move themselves. Hmm. And so they take a lot of time. They're going to tread lightly. They actually really admire Americans and think the world of us. And the thing people maybe wouldn't get either is they're a bit intimidated. And so their English not might not be up to par and I think people think okay you know the French always want you to speak French and if you're not going to speak French they're gonna you know not serve you or and it's actually that it's changing with the younger generation I work at a language school so I see the differences but they might not put their first foot forward because they're afraid of being embarrassed uh-huh as and I would I be afraid people, yes I don't think I'm afraid would, to speak that. French because <laughs> yes. my French is very yes. bad my pronunciation is very yeah. bad and I can remember being yeah. in the bakeries all around France and just trying to order a coffee and they're just looking yeah. at me like we'll speak English then it's okay <laughs> and, but, and have yeah, you learned mm -hmm. French now yeah, yeah, I've learned French. So, and it's fine. Actually, I love it. I honestly love the language. I mean, it, 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 in the beginning, it's, you know, it's a sharp learning curve. But again, I'm in a place where there are not a lot of English speakers. So it came fairly quickly. And again, if you're in, I mean, I say this, but it's not always true. If you're in a bigger city like Paris, people might not take the time as much, but you could have a pleasant experience. I've had tons of pleasant experience. I was just in Lyon a couple and people were um, just amazing. So it's oh, not yeah. always true, but when you're outside of a big city and, and especially in like a smaller town or village, you're like the cool American. You are like the exotic person they're gonna ask you. You'll never believe that our um, small village has an American classic car uh, day where it's like a festival. And so oh, there's wow. a, there, there are a handful of people in, in the area who have these American classic cars and they drive them to the center of the village. And I'm always, I just kind of come around and I just look, you know, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but people have cowboy hats and boots <laughs> and the, it's a whole thing. On the other side, there's country line dancing. Oh, so wow. people will be really surprised. And again, it's a shame because I think that language barrier and culture barrier kind of keeps people from doing more of like a deep dive with France. And um, 
I know, I know that it's this gentleman who um, has written a book on the French, well, on his experience, I should say, um, moving to France. And he said that um, the, the French, they're like coconuts, that it got a kind of a, you know, a bit of a rough exterior and then you crack it and they're all sweet on the inside. Aww, and then, that's yeah, and that's, yeah, I think it's really sweet. I think it's really sweet. Yeah. So, and then the last thing I'll say, because the, the, the whole topic of the French could probably take up another hour is that, um, they, like, as I mentioned, they have a lot of, um, like social mores, like norms, like, for example, if you go into a bakery or cafe or restaurant, there's a definite, you, 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 they would like you to say like, bonjour, you know, even if you're just browsing. And so once you know, like the little bit of the dance and the basic words, I mean, I have a really good story just from a couple of weeks ago where um, I have like a small ankle sprain that came back and I had to go on crutches and I had to be dropped off at work. And so I'm going to this local cafe I've never been to. And it definitely seemed like a locals only place. And for the first week, I just kind of hobbled over on my crutches and I ordered my coffee and honestly, I didn't, I was just like, well, sure. And she's like, you know, what do you want? And I thought, okay. And she wasn't overly friendly. I mean, it's like, okay, you know, that's fine. And there's another server, you know, I don't, we say server, I don't know if that's the correct word. Um, it, it's French. And so then another, you know, he's, he's not really looking at me either. And then a week goes by and then I come back the following Monday and I sit down again and she comes over and she goes, and how are you doing today? And I was like, oh, big smile. And she uses the informal language too, which is like a big, you know, French is very kind of formal with the language. Oh, so she says this to you in French. Yeah, yeah. And then she, and so then, uh, and then she brings me a chair and she's like, do you want to put your crutches on this chair here? And I'm like, I wasn't like, you know, I'm here, I've been here 13 years, but I think this is just like such a good example, you know, where I'm like hobbling along for like a week and not getting much. And then all of a sudden this whole floodgate opens. You know, yeah, she recognizes you. Yes, yeah. And then she's like, do you want, you know, and then she's like, ask me to do it. And now they know my order. So she's like, do you want the, it's, what is it? Uh, macchiato, I can't remember. No, it's not macchiato. Um, and noisette, noisette. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I do. And so she brings over my not, not noisette. A little, it's like a little cafe au lait. And, um, and then I'm like, okay. And then the other guy, that he's like, hello from far. And I'm like, oh, hello. And then now we're, we're like, we're on the way to some kind of friendship almost. And so, and then the next day, I don't even have to order. She comes out from the cafe because we're all on a terrace. We're on a terrace on the sidewalk. And she comes out with my order. And she's like, hi, how's everything? Yeah. So that's just an example where you, you know, in Italy, people are like, oh gosh, the Italians and this and that, because the moment you sit down, they're like, this and that, and this is my son, and this is my daughter, and, da, 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 and this, you know, I mean, to be, you know, it's a bit stereotypical, but, you know, maybe going a bit too far, but, and I think that's what people don't, don't get, is that it just takes a bit more time to, to get to know them. They're wonderful, best friends I ever had, very genuine, they, they'll help you do anything, they'll help you move, they'll help you change the oil in your car, we have so many, they'll come and save the day for you, so if you put in the time, you will have a friend for life, and those will probably be the best friends you've ever had. So being around people, yeah, being around people like that makes me want to do more to help people because I feel like it's a true friend who will help you move, pick you up from the airport, Uh help you fix your car. Those are things that I feel like in the U.S. people don't want to help with because they're annoying things, but they are Mm -hmm. things that, uh, that, you know, it's genuinely 
something sure. that you would need help with and um, mm-hmm. makes me want to yeah. be more generous, you know, Absolutely, kind of yeah. passing it around. Sure. Who mm-hmm. needs help moving? I will help yeah, you. Oh, wait, yeah, I do sure. that for work. <laughs> yeah. I help people move for work. But yeah, I mean, you do. You do. That's a, yeah, that's true. Physically packing boxes is what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like doing that for yeah. myself, but yeah, I will. Yeah. Uh, and help the, yeah. And people. the last thing I'll say, real bonus about the, you know, getting to know French and having, you know, French friends is they lavish attention on you um, when they invite you to lunch or dinner. I mean, they really go all great out. Great host. You, you're great hosts. So, and that's very different from us, you know, just the kind of, again, like a very kind of formal society in the sense of like what they do around their rituals with food. So when you go, you're going to have an aperitif hour, and then you're going to have a starter, you're going to entree, and then you're going to have a plat, the main dish. And then you're going to have, um, if it's right order, you're going to have the cheese course, and then you're gonna have a salad, and then you're gonna have a dessert, and then there'll be coffee, or perhaps after dinner drinks, depending what time of the day it is. Oh my god, <laughs> I love France. I need to live there. Yeah, and and that's what I'm just saying. It's it's a very caring, take your time with people place. And I the first lunch I went to, I remember it was on a Sunday. And I didn't know what to do with myself because I remember being like, okay, we're going for lunch, you know, at noon and that's great. And I have all these things to do. I'm going to, I got I have that laundry I've got to do. And, you oh, know, that's I'm typical like, Americans. We're like, I yes, have this yes. Sunday to do yeah, list. Yeah, I, I got to run errands. Like, I got to do yeah. laundry. And we, yeah. we got there and I think we were there from like 12 to six or seven. And the whole time I was thinking like, is this what's happening here? Like, what are people, you know, what are people doing? And like, in my mind, I was just like taking things through and like checking off boxes and like my to-do list. And then, and I was like a bit anxious. And I mean, I just remember thinking like, what is wrong with you? You need to like- <laughs> Be like, here, be, be here, here now. and settle into it. But it was one of those really long meals. And then after a while, you're like, what am I, this is silly. This is wonderful. Yeah. This is absolutely wonderful. Wonderful. It takes a while to kind of shed those. I, I had of, an know. experience like that in Italy with my friend. We were in, it was my birthday, and we went to dinner in this castle on the Amalfi Coast. It's called Torre yeah. Normana oh, Restaurant. Wonderful. Everyone uh-huh. should go. It's beautiful. It's one of the oldest watch. I think it is the oldest watchtower on the Amalfi Coast. Wonderful. So yeah. we're there and it was one of those very, very long dinners with all of the different courses. Mm-hmm. We were just ordering off the normal menu, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, we just kept going and going and going. And then mm-hmm. the owners gave us all of these free desserts. Oh, there you go. Incredible. And then there we became friends yeah. with the owners because we're very drunk on wine at that point. Yeah. I don't know how many hours, probably four uh-huh. hours later, they're bringing us course after course of there homemade desserts. And there then the yeah. guy... Uh, puts us in touch with a taxi driver to take us back to Positano. We become friends. This is Felipe, the taxi driver. We become Uh friends with him. So he's friends with the owner of the restaurant. Then we become friends Uh with him. He ends up driving us around for the next week. Uh, We're still friends on Instagram. But the next day or a few days later, Uh he took us to his friend's house, Uh an older couple that used to own a, a, a bed and breakfast. And they have yeah. their own farm, their own vineyard. Oh, and go. we went yeah. there for lunch and we were there, there for six go. or seven hours. Yeah, totally. And same. Absolutely, and yeah. 
we have the you and I have these memories of those meals. That's probably what they do every weekend. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm like the That's the one time I had yeah. I had lunch for six hours. That is absolutely. And we make right. the gnocchi, yeah. and then we go. Yes. We have the salad, yeah. the cheeses. Yeah. We go see Definitely, the pigs, yeah. the mm-hmm. pear trees, that, the apple yeah. trees. Oh, it's 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 amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah This it is, is why incredible. we want to live in Europe. Yeah. So so this how many right. yeah. how many years have you been living in Europe now since you first uh, went to Italy? I think I was, I was thinking. I think it's six to sixteen. And yeah. so you never went back to live full time in the U.S. No, no. I thought you know I always considered it, and there was I mean nothing. You know, you miss family and friends, but there was never as big of a draw. You know, and even when I was struggling in France in the beginning, when I didn't speak French, and and um, you know I didn't have a job, and you know that's a big deal. You know, when you you're kind of used to working, and and you know you're kind of in a foreign place on your own. Even then I was like, this is gonna get really good. Like I could just see this, all these extra kind of, I would say bonuses like healthcare started like popping up, you know? I started to know about the healthcare, you know, system. And and I was like, I think long-term this place is gonna be amazing. You know, if I could just work through this, this tough, like transitional period, but I have to say in those points, you just think, oh goodness, I could just go, you know, hop on the plane and be back. And I was like, well, what am I going back? One thing I was really going back for, which I loved, I absolutely love my career, but I really felt kind of the only thing I was going back for was my career, you know, because one thing you you have a really wonderful work-life balance here and a lot of times I was the same way I was really defined by my career mm-hmm. and it took me a, a while to transition out of that that you know I wasn't my self-worth and my being wasn't all wrapped up in a title mm-hmm. you know that I kind of held on to and so Beyond that, I never really considered going back. I mean, there's so many besides the, you know, the wonderful lifestyle and these, you know, friends that I made and the beautiful country and the travels. It's not people I I think be quite, quite amazed. It's not that expensive to live in France. And it's definitely a lot cheaper than Southern California, a lot cheaper. Definitely. Yeah, I I was just saying that yesterday in my weekly coaching call with my relocation clients I was talking about somebody asked a question about oh you can give some recommendations they were going to Lyon Toulouse Uh Bordeaux Uh somewhere else I can't remember and so I was Mm -hmm. giving some recommendations and just saying how you can just drive around you know rent a car drive mm-hmm. around that area the hotels are so reasonable compared yeah, to paris paris oh, has the most expensive hotels in the world yeah. but leon yeah. toulouse bordeaux yeah. uh-huh. very yeah, reasonable yeah. my mm-hmm. airbnb was maybe 35 euro a night there you go. There you go. and then yeah. you can just drive up to a chateau and have lunch and it's sure. 12 15 yeah. euro yeah, with yeah, your rosé it's yeah. so reasonable yeah. and even Eating maybe staying is there is, mm-hmm. yeah but if you book yeah. it from the U.S. and you go through like sure. some of those sites, the tour yeah, groups, it can be true. super expensive. But if that's you just true. go there, you know. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And you'll find more things too, which is nice. Like, um, 
in English on a, a lot of the, you know, when you're here, like on, on website, you just go mm-hmm. to the, the town website, like Lyon is a wonderful website. Okay. You know, yeah. And you can go and get tours in English. And so they've really advanced in a lot of different ways. I mean, I think Toulon was the best tourism experience I've had in, in France. I was really amazed. I'm sure I, I know Paris is wonderful. Just Toulon, I mean, uh, Lyon was a more manageable size for mm-hmm. me but yeah. it's very impressive what they've done with like for their they're just their tourism website and setting up tours and helping people great and and what would you say so you guys own your house and mm-hmm. we'll actually link to a video that you have on oh, international yeah. living's youtube of your house tour because it's so nice and the garden Thanks. and everything thank you but can you give us some insight into you know how much how how much you paid for the house, how big it sure. is, and, and what is your average cost of living over in the south of France? If you're looking for a cheap, fast, and easy way to send, spend, and receive money overseas, then you need a WISE account. WISE is a global multi-currency account where you can send and receive money in more than 40 currencies and 150 countries. It's also a great way to pay your rent overseas. For example, if you're living in France, you can get your first transfer for up to 500 pounds free when you open a new account with our link in the show notes or go to travelingwithkristin.com wise. That's at travelingwithkristin.com W-I-S-E. And what is your average cost of living over in the south of France? So um, I would say one caveat, we're definitely in a more expensive area of France. Um, uh, I was recently, well, when was it start of July? I was in the Dordogne, which if I probably, well, probably if I hadn't settled here first, because we're now we're, we're quite tight to our area, I would really consider the Dordogne. So Dordogne is going to be a very good option, like budget-wise, which I can talk about later. So I just wanted to kind of preface because... The numbers I'll give are, are more expensive for France, and if but there's an upside to that. <laughs> um, so we first rented um, an apartment, and you in our area can still get like a two bedroom for eight hundred uh, euro a month. So I think that to me, compared to where rents are in the United States, in the Dodonia, it'd probably be like five or six hundred. Um, and because I have an American um, friend and she's rented a furnished apartment and she has a sea view. Um, that being said, we have, we bought an apartment for about 220,000 euro and it was gorgeous in the best area of Toulon. And we were about a 10 minute walk to the sea in a kind of really nice like wooded area. And I could have definitely stayed there. It was quiet. We had a lot of right retirees in our building. South of France is big for retirees. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing too, which is nice about our area is you have, since it's big for French retirees, you have a lot of really great services. So mm-hmm. you're not wanting for any hospitals or clinics or doctors or specialists or anything like that and activities. So every town and village is really retiree focused. There's a lot of activities in the area. Um, so then um, we expanded our family and uh, we bought a house for 440,000 um, euro just uh, outside of Toulon. So it's about like a 10 minute drive from Toulon and um, it's... N- near a village um 
And I'm gonna say it's 1,500 square feet. I think 15, 15 and we and we have um, three bedrooms, two bath. Uh, and we, this is why <laughs> it, it's, it's pricier for France, but definitely much more affordable than Southern California. Um, it's nothing to write home about. I think I talk about it in the video, but we do have a small view of the sea. So from our front yard, you can see the sea in the distance. And I just think to myself for what we have, and we have a, we have a garden, you know, with fruit trees and we've got olive trees and all that fun stuff. Um, you know, what we paid here for what we could get in California, there's no comparison. Yeah. Just to say also one last thing on the cost, um, property taxes are on average um, a tenth of what they are in the United States. Um, so the and housing prices on average are 34% less. So our, just to have a comparison, um, I interviewed somebody for international living uh, in the Dordogne a couple years back, a really lovely lady, Cecile and her husband. And I visited their home in July and it's about the same square footage, same bedrooms. They have a huge plot of land. And they paid um, 218,000 uh, euro for theirs. So just to kind of give you some price comparisons, there are a lot of, I had written Nice off a while ago because I just thought it was really expensive. And if you, for example, if you, but I've changed my mind completely. <laughs> and I, I think Nice is, is one of the top places to go. Um, I love Nice. It's, it's not going to be your cheapest place, but compared to Paris, I think it's third of the cost of Paris. And you can get just a little bit of research for the magazine. You can you can get rentals. You can get two two bedrooms starting about twelve hundred euro a month again, which isn't you know rock bottom, but I think compared to what we pay in you know larger cities in the United States mm -hmm. is quite interesting. Yeah, and then what about your? Uh, let's say your monthly expenses as far as groceries and utilities, maybe um, entertainment, things like that. I think really people are interested yeah. in groceries, utilities, and maybe transportation if you have a car or. Sure, sure. Um, the transportation we do, we have two cars. We have a used car, which I recommend um, uh, to people if they're going to come over is um there's also another service plan, which is called Cities, which I have discovered recently where you can do a monthly pass and you can kind of just pick up a car when you like, which is interesting on a lot. Um, we pay about, I want to say, um, for gas and whatnot, I'm going to go out on a limb and say about 50 euro uh, a month um and maintenance fees and whatnot i'll have to check on those i'm not sure exactly how much and um but it's very easy to purchase a uh we've had our car for that car for 13 years so it's very easy to purchase like a used car if you come um groceries have gone up a bit uh obviously for inflation but not anywhere near the united states southern is, california ooh, grocery yeah. stores <laughs> yeah um I will give it to, one of my, my top tips is my favorite grocery store in France is Lidl. So mm. I don't know if people are familiar with Lidl. Lidl mm -hmm. is gourmet here. They have everything you need and more and the prices are very good. Um, I'll say 600 uh, because we're family of three. Uh, 600 euro on the high end for the groceries. Mm -hmm. And that's eating gourmet. Yeah, that's yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, entertainment 
it just depends. I'll talk about going out. Usually if we go out, um, the prices vary. You can go to like a bistro. And as you mentioned, you know, it's like 12 to 16 euro and you can have just like a starter and like a main dish, or you can have like a main dish and dessert. If you're going to get a glass of wine, you can go from like six to 10 euro, but six is more the common, like six or seven mm -hmm. euro for like a glass of wine. Uh, I'm so impressed with the meals out compared to what I've paid it last time I was in the United States. I had in California, I had a margarita, two tacos and some guacamole. And my friend had the same and we were out for, I think, $75. Yeah, with, I was going to say with it's probably tax and tip. Yeah. at least $30 per person there <laughs> just yeah. for what you said. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, here in our area and also in Lyon, you can get a three course like gourmet meal for like 28 euro. Hmm. Um, utilities. I'm going to, I'm going to have to check on that. I actually don't remember off the top of my head. I think, um, cause it's, it goes monthly. I mean, monthly it goes, um, by trimester and we pay oh. a bit in advance and then you're refunded back. But I think I'm going to okay. say it's about 90 for the gas. Um, healthcare is very inexpensive and then what it's, it's most interesting for people who are coming over as retirees, um, which is a very important point to talk about when you're thinking about cost, um, because I, I'm a salaried worker and I pay into the tax system from my paycheck, basically. But if you come over um, and you don't work in France um, and your, your funds are coming from the United States in the form of like a pension or retirement, you are not paying into the tax system. So France can't, you probably already know this, but France can't touch any of your money. So that's why it's very interesting. Um, so we pay, uh, the health insurance covers at 70 or 80% of um, doctor's visits and specialists and hospital stays. Understanding that already it's very, very low. So see it, to see a doctor, it's 25 euros, so about mm. 20 seven dollars and then 70 percent of that was reimbursed and the prices never go up since i've lived here for 13 years it's been 25 euro to see the doctor wow. so the prices are fixed by the government and you can go online and see what all the costs are and um, we have top-up insurance like what we would think of as you know standard insurance you'd pay you know, if from a private, you know, we have top up insurance to cover the rest and our top up insurance for a family of three is about a hundred um, euro a month. Okay. So the fees are very, very low. Yeah. Just when you're talking about even healthcare and the gas, thinking back to when I lived in Costa Rica, instead of $50 per month for gas, which I'm yeah. sure you have a very yeah. fuel efficient car, my expenses were around $500 per month to have an SUV in Costa Rica. It was oh about $100 yeah. a week to fill it yeah. up, plus sure. maintenance, mm -hmm. insurance, mm -hmm. and stuff. So, sure. yeah, that's, sure. a, that's a deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, another thing is we're not really driving, too, because, you right. know, we're not driving a lot. My commute is 10 minutes, my husband's is five minutes. And we're doing everything like locally. So we're in the village, you know, and when I, I work in Toulon, which is a fairly, you know, larger size city um, for France, but it's about the size of my hometown in, in California. And I do everything on foot. And mm -hmm. you can, you know, if you live in a city, you can actually, which a lot of people do. Um, I know a woman who's lived in France for, I think it's maybe 30 years and she's never had a car. 
and she uh, splits her time between Paris and Nice. And she's just on the train. And then when she needs yeah. to, you know, travel, she's doing a lot of train travel. She's even going over to, you know, other European countries on the train. You know, maybe once in a while she might fly, but there's an airport in in um, Nice proper in the city. So mm-hmm. that's very convenient for yeah. people. So another thing too is we don't use our car a lot. You know, right. I mean, I can't even tell you how much I spend on gas in, in Los Angeles. I mean, I just... I you had ha- you need a car to go to, anywhere yeah. in California. Yeah. I mean, they have the, the coastal train, but once you get off the train, oh, you yeah. need a car. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. and what are you doing for work now? You mentioned you're a salaried employee, but you, you're also blogging and, and doing some work for international living. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I manage an English language school. So um, I take care of kind of the, you know, everything and the daily operations and I hire the teachers and train and take care of the receptionist and, um, and I teach myself and it's kind of a nice mix because we have students who um, come to the school and then we also go out to companies as well. So we have a, every once in a while, which is, is a big thrill, we get to go to like a winery uh, mm-hmm. and teach there so we got we have a lot of different interesting clients and again same as as in Italy you learn so much by teaching people you know we have people who are just we have every level people starting out in English and we have people who are retired and who want to travel a lot of retirees who want to you know learn English and, and travel and you have people taking it for fun and some people who need it for their, their businesses. So it's really exciting. And, you know, we have doctors and lawyers, you meet like a diverse group of people and then they share a lot with you. They really, I, you know, it's probably really cliche to say, but sometimes you're, you're, you're thinking like, oh, I'm learning, you know, as much <laughs> from you, especially, you know, anywhere you are, it's great to work in a language school in any country because you do learn so much. And it's a nice way to have like a connection, like an anchor too. So I, I don't have any Americans working with me, but I have um, British uh, colleagues. And so that's nice to kind of have this, you know, connection with the language and being able to communicate and, and have this little kind of cultural oasis too. So there's a lot of really nice benefits to working, I think, um, at a language school. Do you have any tips for people that are looking to teach English abroad on um, where they can find jobs or any websites for getting certified for that? Sure. I think the the best thing to do, um, just because what I did and I found it really helpful, is to make sure that you have like a, you know, teaching English certificate, like a a TEFL or a TESOL Mm -hmm. or a CELTA before you come over because then it's going to be um, you know very attractive to language schools uh, where I work they moved because um, it's a franchise they moved from kind of just letting anybody who was speaking English kind of test it out and see if they were and now they do require having a certification and um, I think that's nice because I'll kind of get your you know your foot in the door um, I also think a lot of times we've hired people because they've just called the school directly. Mm. So if you're looking at a particular area, let's say that you were thinking about moving to Lyon or Nice or whatnot, you might just go see what language schools are in the area, um, send over the, the resume or the CV, and then just phone and give them a call. I mean, back in, in the States when I was really dreaming of um, coming abroad, I think um, it's, yeah, it's still up and running. I checked um, the Dave's ESL Cafe 
Um, I don't know what they've got going on for France, but they had jobs like all around the world. So I mm -hmm. remember I was always looking and checking that website to see what was uh, on offer. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Going direct to the source, you know, cut out the middleman sometimes, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. cold call people and you can end up sure. getting clients mm -hmm. this way, exactly. getting jobs. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. and, and will you and your family be coming over to the U.S. for the boot camp in September? Yeah, it will be, I'll come. I'll come okay. over. Yeah, my daughter's like it's her first week of school, so she'll probably be in oh, school, okay. and I'll be over. Yeah, on my Great. own. Great. So we'll get to yeah. meet in person. Definitely. Looking what are to What it. are you going to be speaking about there? Um, I'm going to be speaking about why you should move to France. Uh, okay. Definitely think of it as a retirement uh, destination. And also all the nuts and bolts. So everything from the visa to how to sign up for healthcare to the car and the banking and all the different, you know, kind of paperwork and administrative things, which are not as scary as people think they are. And actually that France is one of the easier countries in Europe to get a visa, which is another big positive. And then I'll discuss three destinations to look at. Nice is one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Hey, spoiler alert. <laughs> and um, three different destinations to consider out of many like wonderful places to come and live. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to meeting you and hearing your talk. Yeah. And if anyone mm -hmm. listening wants to come as well, we'll link to the Kristen, uh, Traveling with Kristen Friends and Family discount in the show notes. And before I let you go, do you have any hidden gem travel destinations that we should put on our radar outside of Paris and Nice and some of the more popular areas? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Alsace. I don't know mm. if you've been to Alsace. Mm -mm. Um, wonderful. I'm dying to get back. I've been three times and I really would like to go back in the summer. Um, it's known in the winter time as being the Christmas capital and Christmas market oh. capital of France. And Strasbourg is amazing at Christmas time. Um, there is a Alsatian wine route that goes through the villages. You've got this really uh, incredible German influence in the architecture and the food. And the top place to go in Alsace, um, in my opinion, is Colmar. So Colmar is this stunning, uh, very typical Alsatian village that the whole town is transformed into a Christmas market. So it's a fairy tale. You, uh, you have to pinch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You have to reserve six months in advance, like for sure. Wow. But it's all these little chalets decorated with the hot chocolate and the and the hot wine and pretzels the size of your head and homemade <laughs> ornaments and sprigs of holly. And it's got canals that run through the middle of it. You know, you kind of expect like Hansel and Gretel are going to pop out from around the corner. It's, it's magical. So, and I have to say it was a couple of years back. Um, I don't know if it was travel and leisure put like it's one of the top um, small destinations to travel in Europe. Oh, wow. It sounds yeah. divine. I, really I love nice. a good Christmas market. Yeah. And great. Well, thank you so much, Tula, for sharing your yeah, adventures in France with us today. I learned so yeah. much. I've been to France at least three or four times, and I learned so much from you okay. from the perspective of daily life. So good. Happy to help. Yeah. So much. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in and hanging out with us today. And we'll see you again next week. 
I hope that you enjoyed learning about these insights into French and Italian culture from Tula as much as I did. As a reminder, you can meet both of us in person at International Living's Ultimate Go Overseas Boot Camp happening over Labor Day weekend, and I will link in the show notes so that you can get that discount for being part of the Traveling with Kristen community. Thanks for hanging out with us today, and I look forward to seeing you again next week for another brand new interview.